The Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today podcast is brought to you in part by Columbia Academy, Jones & Lang Sporting Goods, Andy Wilhoyt with United Country Realty, the law office of David A. Bates, Custom Stone Handlers, Covenant Technology, Patio West Coastal and Comfort Eats, and Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint treats your orthopedic injuries and existing conditions. Their trained physicians will get you back in the game faster. Contact them today at 931-381-2663 or visit mtbj.net. Today with TSWA Hall of Famer Maurice Patton. Here's Chris Yow. Hey, welcome back to the second hour of Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today. I'm Maurice Patton. Chris Yow, as we said earlier, somewhere between here and North Myrtle Beach, North Carolina, taking a family vacation. Um, with us by phone, the godfather of Middle Tennessee Sports Talk Radio, George Plaster. Coach Mike over here on the controls. And, um, George, uh, I'm not sure what Chris gave you to, to sit in with us today, but um, it probably wasn't enough. Oh, I'm happy to do it. It's great to, uh, to sit in with a Hall of Famer. Come on. <laughs> yeah, whatever. <laughs> uh, George, you were over at um, Gentry Center yesterday for the um, – the coronation of Eddie George as Tennessee State football coach. Um, we talked. We had a taped interview following the press conference. You, Chris, and me talked about this. We've talked about it off air. Um, what did you hear yesterday that made you feel better about the situation than you may have going in? That's a really good question. I don't know that I've got the answer to it. Front, to be, to be fair, Eddie. exactly. To be fair, you you felt pretty good about this. You feel pretty good about this. Um, personally, me less so. But I, I know um, you've worked with Eddie on various projects and that kind of thing. And and uh, I I probably did not phrase that very well in fairness to you because I don't think you've necessarily felt a certain way about this hire. But, you know, as you listened to President Glenda Glover and to Athletics Director Mickey Allen and to Eddie yesterday, what do you like about this? Well, first of all, I'm really impressed with Mickey Allen. Man, you talk about it. Enthusiasm. Um, I had him on the show yesterday afternoon, and I'll tell you, I was blown away by him. I knew going in that he had a really good resume, and um, I'm convinced he's going to take Tennessee State to some places that maybe they haven't been in a while. Oh, I have always thought this is a slipping giant. It's in a great city, it has a great tradition. And I really believe that Eddie is the guy that will walk 
in to recruit home and and do a number. First of all, I thought he handled the press conference incredibly well. I thought it was a really good touch to acknowledge Rod Reed right at the beginning. Rod Reed is a really good human being who has gotten caught in the middle of this a little bit. I feel bad for him. I really do. And I'm very hopeful. I pray that whatever is next for Rod Reed, that it really ends up going good because I got a world of respect for him. I hear all this stuff about, you know, the recruits, you know, they're too young to know who Eddie is. I'm not buying that for a minute. You know, he can walk in there and flash a Heisman Trophy ring. He can walk in there and show them a little bit of film of exactly who he is if they don't know. And the other thing is parents do know. He's very believable. He's very sincere. And the guy hates to lose. And I'm convinced he is the perfect hire at the perfect time. Again, I'm really biased. (laughs) Well, um, he told us during the press conference that he feels like he's the man for the job. And one, I think that's the confidence that you have to step into that situation with. And so, you know, I, I think that's exactly the way you have to go in there. Uh, as you said, I don't think there's anybody that doesn't feel like Tennessee state is, you know, in, in the realm of the Ohio Valley conference a sleeping giant, like, like you said, um, yeah, there's everything there for them to be successful. Why that has not taken place is, you know, the million dollar question, I guess, but, you know, hopefully Eddie and, and the folks that come in with him will be able to, to get that turned around and, and bring that success about. Like I said, I think everybody wants to see that. And so, um, while all rooting for that, Meanwhile, Vanderbilt picked a bad day to hire girls. I'm sorry, a women's basketball coach. Yeah, it was uh, that. That was an interesting deal. So they hire an assistant from UConn, and of course, the UConn part will get everybody's attention because they have been the uh, you know they've been the gold standard mm-hmm. of women's basketball. Some people are going to say, well, why, you know, why didn't they get an established head coach? I don't know the answer to that, but I know that the Vanderbilt women's thing has been a complete mess for a good while. And I really wonder when people say, well, could you get a sitting head coach, you know, from another school? I don't totally know the answer to that. I am aware that there were a couple, three that that made clear that they'd be interested, including women's coach at the University of Louisville, uh, which has performed at a pretty high level. You know, I hope I hope she does well. Again, there's no reason why they can't be better than they have been because what they have been in the last couple of years is a mess. Period. Yeah, um, Shay Ralph, who has been on. Gino Ariema staff at UConn since 2008, a former player at UConn. Um, she helped that program to 13 straight Final Fours, six NCAA championships. Um, she also spent time as an assistant at Pitt, 
But um, to me, George, the biggest thing about this hire is how quickly it happened and how quietly it happened. Well, the quiet part is I don't know who cares or who doesn't care at this point. Um, it's a dwindling fan base. On the women's side, it's been pared down to virtually nothing. They've been a joke now for three or four years. It first hit me about two and a half years ago when Belmont went over to Memorial Gym and beat them by 37. I was like, that's pathetic. And um, so I don't know who cares and who doesn't care anymore. I know what it used to be like under Phil Lee and then Jim Foster when he got them to the Final Four in 1993. I just don't know at this point who really does care. So they probably have benefited from the fact that there hasn't been a lot of buzz around it. Um, but you're right. It's it an interesting day because, you know, you're not going to win. You're not going to win the press conference on the day that Eddie George gets named the head coach at CSU. Now, to be fair, they are having their press conference sometime today, I believe, and, and Shea Ralph will officially be introduced to the media. But, at the, at the, again, you know, with – everything that was going on in Nashville yesterday um, wasn't going to be a whole lot of buzz around this situation today. And, and like you said, Vanderbilt has really um, Vanderbilt women's basketball has kind of lost market share in this area pretty consistently over the last while um, throughout Stephanie White's tenure and, and late into Melanie Balcom's tenure prior. So, Hopefully they can get things on an upswing with with this new coach. Um, and speaking of upswings, segue. You were at Bridgestone last night. Oh, I sure was. <laughs> um, Chris and I had been talking about the fact that this run that the Predators have been on of late has pretty well not involved any teams that had postseason prospects, they kind of changed last night. Yeah, here's uh, well, here, here's what really is going on there. Once they got Detroit off the schedule uh, a week ago, from that point on, it's the big boys. It's a lot of Tampa. It's a lot of Carolina. It's a lot of Blackhawks, a little bit of Dallas. And, you know, I've tried to sit there as a rabid fan and say, okay, can the average point a game get in? And I don't know that I know the answer to that. My suspicion is they'll be right on the border of it. But what ended up happening last night, and sometimes you need to get a little lucky in, in this kind of thing. Last night, Tampa makes the decision not to play the goaltender Vasilevsky, who was brilliant Saturday night here. The Predators threw everything but the kitchen sink at him, and he was brilliant. And they got beat 3 nothing in a game where, frankly, they deserved a lot better because they played really well. And I walked out of there going, you know what? That effort will beat Dallas Sunday night. Anyway, Tampa makes the decision to play a backup goaltender 
Curtis McElhaney. McElhaney. Yeah, thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. It might well have been me. He was awful. And I hear I hear two Tampa Bay fans sitting behind me, Section 304, that really know it. And, you know, from the very beginning, they're like, oh, Lord, this is not going to be what we're used to. So the Predators did a huge break that Tampa elects to go with the backup goaltender. And that allows them to absolutely have a barrage. You know, you score seven goals, that's pretty darn good. That's solid. It's a huge win for them. It really is. It gives them a little bit more breathing room as they go to Carolina, which is going to be really hard. And then they've got the Blackhawks three games next week, Monday here, Wednesday, Friday in Chicago. And I think by Friday night, we're really going to know next week uh, where this team headed or not headed. Nashville Predators scored three goals in the first period last night, defeated Tampa Bay 7-2 at Bridgestone. This Tampa Bay team came into the night tied for first in wins in the NHL along with Toronto and Colorado. They had 28 wins. So, as I said, um, this is a postseason, not just a postseason contender, but a team that's going to be a factor in the postseason and, as you said, George, they, they might have caught a break with the backup goalie there. They scored on three of their first five shots and and kind of rolled from there. But regardless, all you can do is play who's on out there on the ice against you, and and that's a big win for them. So um, what are they, 12-3 and three now in their last 15? Yeah, something like that. Um, let me say this. I never saw this coming. I had this team dead and buried a month ago. I did a funeral service. Um, <laughs> Flowers and, and everything, sudden, huh? Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, I eulogize. Um, but somewhere they found something. John Hines came on my show about a week and a half ago. And I asked him, where did this, where did this start to happen? He told me that they had a team meeting on the road where they showed the team play, particular play in a game, where I think it was Tampa, where Tampa gave great effort and the Predators did not. And he said it embarrassed them. And that from that point on, the effort level here has been way off the charts compared to what it was. And good for him. If that's a button he's pushed that works, man, I'm enjoying it. Effort is always a good thing. Um, The Braves' offensive effort was good enough to win last night. Um, Trying not to get too concerned after a 14-8 Marlins victory dropped the Braves to 4-7 on the year. But – I am a little concerned with Max Freed right now. I think his ERA is up over 11 after last night's performance. So, um, Yeah, so tell me, Mo, because I didn't get to see it, and obviously I'm right here with you about Max Freed. What does it look like? What When you see it, what what do you see? You know, I didn't get to see it either, George, but I saw they were up 3 nothing early, and then they were tied 3-3. They were down 4-3, and it just kept getting away from them. And, you know, 
I, I don't know if it's not the sophomore slump because, I mean, it's not like he was a rookie last year, but um, that's certainly something that for the Braves to be successful, that's a piece that they have to get right. So um, oh, you're right about that. going to be interesting to see how that goes. Um, as we come up on a break here, want to mention this day in Atlanta Braves history. On April 14th, 2017, Hank Aaron, who also did the traditional toss for the Braves in the first and last contest at Turner Field, throws the ceremonial first pitch with former longtime team manager Bobby Cox serving as the catcher before the inaugural game at SunTrust Park. Atlanta center fielder Ender Enciarte records the first out, first hit, first run, and the first home run. You can win some trivia with those. In the team's 5-2 win over the Padres at the new ballpark, since renamed Truist Park, should be Hank Aaron Field, but we won't get into that. Anyway, that took place on... Hey, let's get into it. You're absolutely right. (laughs) Well, I mean, I I felt like I was amongst friends in saying that, so we, we we have no debate here. It, it should be, and, and they need to figure out a way to there, – there's no honor that's enough for that man. And so hopefully they, will, hopefully they will address that as the year goes. Um, in our next segment here on Southern Middle Tennessee Sports, we will join – or we will be joined by Nashville Sounds Vice President of Operations, Doug Scopel, friend of George's as well. We've spent a little time together in in some press boxes and um, checking in with him on what's going on with the sounds and at First Horizon Park. So that'll be when we come back from this break. Thanks for joining us here on Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. Stay with us. If you've listened to this show, you know Chris and I are always down for a good meal. Recently, we learned about Patio West in Spring Hill and what a pleasure it has been. Their menu is full of seafood, burgers, and more, giving every member of your family something to enjoy. Be sure to go by Patio West Coastal and Comfort Eats located at 3011 Longford Drive in Spring Hill or visit patiowest.com and tell them the guys at Southern Middle Tennessee Sports sent you. about it's southern middle tennessee sports today once again with mo here's chris hey thanks for joining us here on southern middle tennessee sports today presented by mid tennessee bone and joint i'm maurice Patton, joined via phone by george plaster coach mike working the controls over here and we are joined on the parks motor sales hotline this morning by doug scopel vice president of operations for the nashville sounds um Doug, the 2018 Ballpark Digest Minor League Baseball Executive of the Year, and I love the picture that they've got of you still on that website. of you pulling tarp, Doug? Oh, you know, apparently, uh, who knows? I mean, I'm going to do more of that than just about anything else. I feel like some days, yeah, it's funny that they chose that one. <laughs> That's what you do, man. I mean, 
Yeah, D- Doug and hopefully I, hopefully not. You know, Doug and I go way back to the to the Greer Stadium days, and and where everybody did everything, and and um, it was fun to watch. And and I'm uh, one. I'm a little surprised that you're still here, but I'm really happy that you are. And um, before you guys get your season started with a May Fourth game at Toledo under this new concept of minor league baseball first horizon park has got a pretty big event coming up this weekend the music city diamond classic as tuskegee university and lane college will play a three-game series a 3 p.m game on saturday and a 1 p.m double header on sunday doug how did that come about yeah, that's, that's great. And we're excited to get rolling. It's going to be so good to see baseball back out here at the ballpark. And we look forward to welcoming people back into our, our gates and welcoming those teams. To answer that question, you know, it's we've always, you know, tried to, you know, honor. And if you're at our ballpark, you'll see there's a lot of notes to the history of this site from everything from the balls to, you know, recent sounds. But also the, the, the Negro Leagues have a, a very significant history in Nashville, but at the Sulphurdale location, which is where First Horizon Park is now located. And so there's a group called BCSG out of Chicago that kind of works to coordinate events like this around the country. And they, they approached us, and it's something that just makes a whole lot of sense. I mean, it's great exposure for these programs. It ties into our promotion of the game of baseball and our, you know, especially where we are physically located in Nashville and the community here. And there's so many historic figures that came from our community that, that um, you know, all baseball fans should know, but certainly in the historic black college university um, environment, they definitely know. And so, you know, it's something, we hope this is the start of an ongoing um, event that we can do year to year. Maybe the teams may, you know, change, but man, we're excited to just, to just keep promoting the game of baseball and let these, these young men have a wonderful experience here in Nashville. Um. You know, uh, like like you said, getting getting folks into the building, especially after everything that's gone on here over the past 14, 16 months, I know it's got to be exciting for you guys just hosting a game. I, I know you tried to um, have some baseball last summer and some things kind of didn't work out, but um, just to, to look out there and see somebody playing, I imagine it's going to be fun for a lot of folks. It is. I mean, by the time we, it, we're somewhere north of 500 days since the last time we hosted a baseball game here in September of 2019, that seems like an eternity or that number in general. But when you're that's bread and butter, what you do, and you haven't been able to do it, it's we're, we're, you know, every year we're always excited to get the season one. But gosh, this year's extra special just because of that. We've all dealt with. I don't know if George will be there this weekend or not. I think I might try to run out there, though. Oh, I, I intend to at some point Sunday. At some point Sunday. Okay. Oh, I'm like y'all. I miss baseball. Yeah. Um, and we thought we were going to get it at First Horizon Park a little sooner than this. Doug, what happened? Well, yeah, I think the last time I talked to you guys, no one, I can't remember the date. I was pumping up. Okay, we're starting in April. And basically what MLB did is they – they pumped the brakes on the entire minor league season to kind of a twofold approach. They pushed us all back a month to start our season. So we went from April, whatever the date was going to be, and now we start May 4th on the road and May 11th here at home 
it just sounds home open for this year. It was a chance to allow the major league teams to have their AAA groups at their alternate sites, which were within, you know, for example, the Brewers, their alternate site is in Appleton, Wisconsin, which is a, a quick drive from Milwaukee. So if they had a COVID outbreak early in the year, it was, it was a quick plug and play. It also allowed for the chance of vaccinations to increase not only for the ball players and staffs in the baseball world, but also just around the country for attendees and employees and just allow us to maybe get to a more opened up uh, environment, even though it's, it's taken only 30 days, you know, you guys are aware of what's going on. I mean, I feel like where we are now compared to 30 days ago, is a huge jump. And basically a month from now, we open up, who knows where things are going to be. So, you know, that was the intent behind it. It was, it was dictated to us. And um, we're, we're just, we'll be excited to get people in here. And um, always fun when Memphis comes to town. It is. It's, you know, it's funny. Our schedule, as we've talked before, Mel, um, we're playing a whole bunch of new opponents this year, and Memphis is the only one that fans that have come to games previously for sounds in recent years. That's the only opponent that we're going to see in our ballpark that we, that's not a new opponent. And obviously we have a national Memphis rivalry goes back 100-something years. Uh, so it's, it's very steady, definitely new opponent. And it's just complete chance, but I, it's, there's good symmetry there. Well. As as we spoke the last time you were on with us, both Chris and I are excited about the um, the arrival of the Gwinnett Stripers, and I've not looked up that date on the new schedule, but um, definitely. They're planned. the second team in. The, yeah, they're in in May, right after Memphis. So May eighteen to twenty three, you get them right off the bat. Okay. All right. Cool. So um, yeah, we'll um, we'll definitely be rolling through there for that one and. I assume Drew Waters will be with them and, and some other um, up-and-comers in that Braves organization. So so looking forward to that. That ought to be a lot of fun. Again, I'm sure Mr. Plaster will be there for that one as well. You can take sure. that to the bank, and if Max Reed doesn't get his act together, he may be with us as well. <laughs> yeah. maybe, maybe he'll but, be down there on a rehab, or we might catch Mike, uh, Mike Soroka. You know, that's a real possibility. Mm-hmm. Yep. So we're, I mean, catching them early in the year is good for the rehab stuff. But I think, you know, as we talked about before, having the Braves affiliate come through, having the Reds affiliate come through, they haven't come through here in, since we were in the American Association. And we're at the time South, we're the Reds affiliate. And um, it, there's a lot of new teams that make geographic sense that, like, a lot of people follow those major league teams that live in Nashville. And we've never been able to host the AAA team against the sounds and now we get all that. So it's, we're real excited about just the realignment and of the leagues for that reason. The sounds are once again, the AAA affiliate of the Milwaukee Brewers. Um, Doug, I, I think there may be some synergy there from having previously been the Brewers AAA affiliate. I don't know what the, you know, the holdover percentages of folks that you've dealt with previously with the brewers that you're dealing with now, that kind of thing. But um, what what has that been like from a front office um, perspective? Well, it's it, there is uh, it, it, it's certainly a good relationship with them. Previously, for 10 years, uh, a lot of the same people are still there. As a matter of fact, most of our coaching staff that's going to be with Nashville this year, Rick Sweet is our manager. He was our manager in 2014, the last time we were the Brewers affiliate. So, a lot of familiar faces to work with for, for me, just with what I do. But I'll say this, you know, 
the, the 10 years that we were with them before, you guys probably know some of the big names. It was that, that Spurs that went to Milwaukee, the young guys like Prince Fielder and Ryan Braun and Gallardo and Corey Hart, Ricky Weekend, all those guys came through Nashville. And those, those guys, you know, that was a very prospect-laden several years that we had. And a lot of our fans, even though we've been at A's affiliate and Rangers affiliates since then, still relate a lot to that group. And when we made the announcement of the change back to the Brewers a couple months ago, whatever it was, there was a lot of um, general excitement from people because they have those memories already built up and it's kind of returning home for them. So um, we're certainly excited to be back with them. I think geographically it makes a little better fit. And, um, you know, we look forward to them putting some good teams on the field for us. Who are, how familiar have you been able to get with some of the names that we can expect this time around? Yeah, um, I am probably not the guy to be talking about with that, Mo. Uh, I apologize for that. We've, we've had so much other stuff going on, trying to work with, you know, health department restrictions and just the whole overhaul. Um, so I can't really give you a whole lot on that right now. I, I do know that the Brewers, you know, they have at their triple team, which was in San Antonio the last couple of years, and they probably spent, I think they've made the playoffs at AAA three of the last four years or something like that. So definitely from an organizational standpoint, they are one of those that being a small market club, they try to promote winning in the minors and then up in the majors. They're not one that just kind of uses their farm system as a holding tank and just calls guys up just and only words about the big league. So I think that's a good benefit for us here in Nashville. You know, do we, again, the new minor league, um, concept is there a postseason do we know what that looks like at this point or is it strictly going to be a regular season and then everybody go home or does anybody know yeah so for 2021 and 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 this is strictly pandemic related this has no bearing on the future there will be no all-star game in the minors there will be no postseason in the minors and that is just strictly a hey we want to try to limit the amount of exposure we can put these guys limit the travel and just get through the season. Um, I, certainly in the future, Mo, I, there's certainly that will be in play. We haven't been told what that will look like. Um, I'm excited to see what it will look like, though. Yeah. Um, you know, from a minor league standpoint, the fact that you're having a minor league season at all is certainly an improvement over last year when, you know, you had the 60-game major league season, you had a number of players at that alternate site and then everybody else was kind of left on their own. So um, even with no all-star games and no postseason play, this is, this is better. I would think, especially when, as you said, it's been 500 plus days since there's been a game at first horizon park. Yeah. And we're, um, we're excited to get people back. And I think I mentioned before, you know, we're going to start out at a limited capacity. I think we're right around 25% and we'll continue to, you know, hopefully ramp that number up as the health department and major league baseball gives us the um, flexibility and freedoms to do so. And, and part of that, and we will be announcing tomorrow our, um, we're going to kind of go month by month. Normally at the end of the year, we announce, okay, here's the entire promotion schedule for the year. And here's tickets on sale for the whole year. Because of the unknown of when we might be able to expand, we're going to announce uh, tomorrow what we're doing here in the month of May for that group of uh, 12 games. And tickets are on sale, and here's the promotions for that month. And then somewhere down the line, we'll do June and then July and August. So that, for us, that's a little bit different, but I think it, it helps from the fan side, too, because we, we, can, we know what we can offer in May. 
we hope to offer more in August, but we don't know yet. So we want to just kind of take it step by step until we get there. Gotcha. Speaking on the Parks Motor Sales Hotline with Doug Scopel, Vice President of Operations for the Nashville Sounds, the Music City Diamond Classic will be held Saturday and Sunday at First Horizon Park. Tuskegee University and Lane College will play a single game at 3 on Saturday. They'll play a 1 o'clock doubleheader on Sunday. Um, Doug, if someone was interested in coming, what do they need to do? Yeah, the best way to go is just nationalsounds.com, our website. Um, there's a link right there on the homepage. Then click on that, and then there's we have uh, we have single-day passes. We have a weekend pass for uh, both both dates, all three games. Um, they can just click right through and and, um, and get that information there, and uh, it might be right there if they'd like to. That's awesome. Doug Scopel, friend of the show. Appreciate you taking some time this morning with us and um, – taking us through this um this weekend event and the upcoming start of the AAA season for the Nashville Sounds. Yeah, one more thing, Mo, I want to be honest, thank you for having me and wanting to talk to us about baseball. One other thing we're doing this weekend is we're, uh, the, we're taking the opportunity to honor all the seniors on these teams since they're going to be in this venue that they don't get a chance to be in and do some extra special things with the families and the schools and all that. So, we're trying to make it not only just games, but a full experience for them. And I can't wait to see how it all comes off. That's awesome. Doug Scopel with the Nashville Sounds joining us here on the Parks Motor Sales Hotline on Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. When we come back, Wild and Wacky Wednesday. Stay tuned. When we're out covering sports in and around Murray County, communication between Maurice and I is absolutely vital to our success. When your business needs top-notch communication and local service, Covenant Technology is there, and they are dedicated to helping your business succeed by ensuring open lines of communication to your clients and customers. Contact them today at 615-846-9898 or visit covenanttechnology.net. Hey folks, while we take a quick break from the show, I want to tell you about our friends over at Custom Stone Handlers in downtown Columbia. Ned Rich and his team at Custom Stone Handlers believe in leadership. And outside of the military, our greatest leader-building platform is sports. Custom Stone Handlers proudly encourages young people to get in the game. You can contact them today at 931-490-4990 or visit customstonehandlers.com. Tennessee Sports Today, the sports talk show you've always wanted. Hey, thanks for joining us here on Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. I'm Maurice Patton, Coach Mike on the controls over here, um, Chris Yao, absent with leave, um, somewhere between here and North Myrtle Beach for some much-needed time off, in his spot via... The wonders of technology and Verizon, we have George Plaster. Mr. Plaster, thanks for hanging out with us this morning. Okay, I said we had George Plaster. Do we have George Plaster? Uh, According to this, he's still on the line. George? 
He's trying to get back in. George? Yeah, somehow you got dropped off the Bluetooth here. Okay, hang on. We we are okay. we are experiencing technical difficulties. Please stand by. Okay. Uh, I'm gonna call George. We we um, we we have lost George and the Bluetooth. I guess I'm not sure. So we we're we're efforting to get George back on the line for the final segment here which is Wild and Wacky Wednesday presented by JJ's Barbecue um our friends over on Hatcher Lane Chris and I were through there for lunch a couple of days ago actually the wings are new on the menu and they're fantastic and we finally paid off our debt to um T Willie from the Daytona 500, so we're squared up with him. He doesn't have to send Bruno after us. But, um, again, JJ's Barbecue, the the sponsor of Wild and Wacky Wednesday as we effort to get George back on the line. And so we, we're still efforting to get George back on the line. Anyway, it's Wild and Wacky Wednesday. And um, one of the wackiest things over the past few days, I don't know if anybody has ever had money, quote, accidentally deposited into their account, but it happened to Kellen Spadoni of New Orleans back in February. Checked her Charles Schwab investment account in February. Charles Schwab had meant to deposit $82 in Kellen's account. Instead, they gave her $1.2 million. So, what did Ms. Bedoni do? Well, <laughs> she transferred it out of her investment account, bought a house and a car. She's been recently arrested for theft, bank fraud, and more. Um, she bought a Hyundai Genesis with some of the 1.2 mil. Now, Kellen works for the local sheriff's department. So, one would think she might have an idea that she probably shouldn't have done that. A spokesman from the sheriff's department says she had no legal claim to that money. Even if it was put in there by mistake, it was an accounting error. Now, uh, I think it just depends on whose perspective you're looking at it from, but... Charles Schwab figured out what happened to the money, tried to reach her. She wouldn't call them. She wouldn't answer their messages. They got the cops involved, and again, she was arrested last week for theft, bank fraud, and illegal transmission of monetary funds. You know, so, if somebody puts some money in your account, it may not be yours. So just, just kind of um, keep that in mind going forward. Everything that's free ain't free. Mike. Oh, Mike's still on the phone. Um, you guys probably remember at the start of the pandemic when um, there were a number of things you could not find in the grocery store. 
including toilet paper. Apparently, that's no longer an issue. We all finally have too much toilet paper. Toilet paper sales were down 4% in January. Um, I guess it stands to reason that after so many people hoarded for so long, they've all got plenty. Finally, the supply caught up with the demand. Yeah, there you go. And, um, you know, it's one of those things that's never going to go bad. So, yeah. It's never going to go out of use either. No, no. There's always going to be a a demand, as you put it. So, yeah. um, We have too much toilet paper. Okay. Whatever. Um, All right. If you've got a dog... You might want to get a hold of Anheuser-Busch. Bush Beer just announced that they want to hire a dog as their new CTO, that's Chief Tasting Officer, to try their non-alcoholic beer for dogs called Dog Brew and be the face of the brand. For this, your dog will be compensated $20,000. wonder if Kellen Spadoni has a dog. Anyway. <laughs> Um, I, I might go out and get one for that. There you go. If you want to get your dog in the running, you can tweet a picture of your dog and their qualifications by the 28th of this month. That's two weeks from today. So you got a little time. Anyway, um, Bush is hiring a $20,000 dog to taste test dog beer. That's one of those. It's nice to have that kind of money exactly. to throw around. Mm-hmm. I mean. So... Yeah. Um, dog beer. There's a concept for you. Um, Mike. Yes, sir. How much time at work do you spend daydreaming? <laughs> Depends on who you ask, to tell you the truth. Several people today say I spent the whole morning daydreaming, but, uh, well, uh, but, uh, recently, not much. Uh, there's a lot going on for me to do that. I understand. So apparently, we spend an average of 37% of our time at work daydreaming, according to a new study. Not sure who did this study, but... Uh, they didn't ask me. No, me either. And the times we're most likely to be daydreaming, according to the study, are Friday afternoons, Monday mornings, and Tuesday mornings. Okay. interesting the study also found people who are stressed spend more time daydreaming at work than people who are calm okay just trying to mentally get away from it for a little bit i, I usually found the days that i'm stressed i'm doing anything but dreaming a day or otherwise it's, usually huh? it's a living nightmare when i'm when i'm stressed like that but yeah uh, yeah okay i boy I, that's I would have liked to have seen the questions on that survey. I'll put it that way. That's that's an interesting <laughs> study that has been done to come up to that conclusion, I think. so. Um, and who sponsored it? Was that the bosses sponsoring it? <laughs> that could very well be. That could very well be management coming up with that, trying to see um, who's doing what or not. Or not doing what. Or yeah. not. Yeah. So, um Okay. 
More wild and wacky here as we... Even more wind. so than this morning has been anyway. All right. <laughs> as as we wind toward the top of the hour and the end of the show. Um, so a landlord in Ireland <laughs> found out his tenants were growing weed and evicted them for it. But then he was hard up for cash, probably because he evicted his tenants. So he decided to turn the place into his own grow house and got arrested whoops there you go there you go 48 year old landlord in ireland named john shahan found out his tenants had turned their place into a marijuana grow house and evicted them for it found 33 plants on the property burned them all and kicked them out once they were gone he reconsidered he should have reconsidered earlier probably say before they, he burned, the, they did all the hard work. And yeah, he bef- re- before he burned those 33 wow. plants. Anyway, um, police found 23 pot plants and 9 ounces of wheat that he was getting ready to sell. Um, he told the judge that he was desperate for money. Again, you just kicked these folks out your house. There, That's where the money was right there. Wouldn't just a couple more tenants help that situation a little bit? Uh, one would think got two years probation and had to forfeit the 6000 he had made from the weed that he had grown. You know, we told you it was wild and wacky. That was pretty wild, pretty wacky over in Ireland. <laughs> Here's one for you. A girl asked Make-A-Wish for a pet dragon. Make-A-Wish worked with a robotics company to make it happen. And after someone gave a homeless guy... Oh, we got all sorts of happy news here, basically. So a 14-year-old cancer survivor in Colorado told Make-A-Wish that what she really wanted was her own pet dragon. They worked with a robotics company, made her a robotic dragon that could recognize her face and respond to her voice. Um, as long as they don't have it, any knights in shining armor nearby. Well, right. as long as it's not a fire-breathing dragon, yeah, I guess that we're would okay. Also be a, a problem that that could, yeah. Um, someone in Texas recently gave a homeless guy a one hundred dollar gift card to Outback Steakhouse. Then the manager at Outback became friends with him, made sure he never went hungry, and eventually gave him a job bussing tables. But wait, there's more. She reached out on Facebook looking for cheap hotels so he'd have a place to stay for a while. Instead, random people donated clothes, groceries, a bike, and more than 2200 bucks to help him get an apartment. So, there's still good stuff going on out yeah. there. This isn't this this isn't wild and wacky. This is just good. That's just feel good. Yeah. 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 So, um good for those people in Texas. Now, that's taking care of each of course, other. That's one story out of how many of you the got, homeless? Uh, hey, you, know, you got to take the positives hey, where you can you find do. them these days. You know, just, so. just kind of the was it the, the disclaimer? You know, for those of you out there that uh, are looking at the homeless consideration, that's not a normal story. Yeah, it's <laughs> unfortunately it's not a normal yeah, story, right? Because um, certainly a problem. Certainly it, needs it's to be tough, addressed. It's tough out there that it, way. It is, and it and it doesn't take much to get there either. So, y'all take care of each other. Uh, what else we got here? Huh. 
So IHOP has a new waffle. I think the closest IHOP to here is in Franklin, but um, if you go there, you can get the Oreo and bacon waffle Sunday. I think I heard about that and just kind of looked at my looked at my wife when I first heard that. It was like that. I don't know about that combination. <laughs> you know, I did hear something though, and it it must have been a line in a commercial or something. There's nothing that can't be made better with bacon. Um, <laughs> I think we might have found it. This is a Belgian waffle filled with Oreo cookies with candied bacon and ice cream on top. That's a lot, Mike. Yeah, that's 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 quite a bit of a lot of sugar. That's and, that's, and, a, that's uh, a lot of a lot. Yeah. Um, much as I like bacon, I'm, I'm not sure. It's a limited time product, but that's fine because after you eat it once, you might die. <laughs> You're definitely going to have a sugar high. Yeah, I'm, I'm not so sure about that one. But hey, do you. <laughs> oh. Here's what people like more about working out at home than at the gym. Hmm. Two out of three people say that the past year helped them realize they can work out without a gym membership, according to a new survey. And the thing people like most about working out at home is feeling more confident when they try new workouts. I can see that. I, I can yeah. see that. Yeah, you don't have the audience mm-hmm. there. And, and, and the shaming and the, you know, because, you know, when you look up on Twitter and you see somebody's video of somebody else working out or whatever, it's like, why are you doing that? You know, everybody's just trying to get better right. at something. So leave folks alone. But when all the gyms closed last year, everyone realized, hey, maybe I don't need a gym to get in shape. Okay. Technically, well, I don't every- need a gym to get in shape. Now, the question is, what's the shape? What shape is, is it? it a- yeah. <laughs> Usually it's kind of round for me. <laughs> um, the things people like most about working out at home, feeling more confident after trying new workouts, flexibility on when you can work out, more choice of activities, not feeling judged by other people, and not having to commute to the gym. So, hey, that wraps up our Wild and Wacky Wednesday here presented by JJ's Barbecue over on Hatcher Lane. And that wraps up this Wednesday edition of Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today. Um if you missed some portion of the show, you can catch the podcast later on. We were not on Facebook Live today, unfortunately. Hopefully, that will be rectified tomorrow. I want to thank George Plaster for stepping in with us for a bit. Um, for Coach Mike, I'm Maurice Pat.